Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, and pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek, and with me, as always, is Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. Shannon, how are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic, as always. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm preparing to announce a vibrant name change, a rebranding of myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, spent the weekend really working on this. Uh, but uh, I don't want to muddy the waters because we have another big name change to talk about, which is Facebook's corporate embrace of the new name, Meta. Meta. <laughs> Sorry. And... Uh, with that, see, by the time people are listening to this, all the all the meta jokes and like commentary are going to feel so dated. But but it is, of course, a big um, big conversation point uh, in the industries that we cover here at Adweek. Uh, but also, weirdly timely, not weirdly, we all kind of saw this coming. Uh, that Adweek has a metaverse marketing podcast that we launched recently. Uh, and is, you know, really covers the exact kind of issues that were driving the decision-making behind Mark Zuckerberg and company's uh, decision to embrace Meta as their parent company name and a very explicit mission to embrace the metaverse and to be the company really driving that concept forward with us to help uh, make sense of that and to introduce uh, this uh, our new podcast, if you have not gotten a chance to hear it already, is Al Manorino. Al, why don't you... Uh, first, I will say Al is now the new producer of this podcast uh, and very excited to have Al on board. Uh, Nick Gardner, our previous uh, producer, has been a wonderful partner for quite a while and has moved on to a new role, but uh, we were very excited to have Al moving. So Al, tell us a little bit about yourself, your role here at Adweek, uh, and then we'll get talking about this podcast. Well, thank you so much, David. And I'm so happy to be a producer on Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. I love this podcast and I love the two of you. So it's uh, very fitting. And uh, uh, <laughs> Shannon's my favorite person to follow on Twitter. And then Griner's like fifth. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't decided. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> a distant 70s. <laughs> <laughs> you might, you, you cracked the top 20. So that's good. Uh, yeah, I am the director of community content here at Adweek. I work with the community team um, doing all the amazing stuff uh, that the community community team does uh, featuring uh, some of the 
best and brightest in the industry. And, uh, you know, I'm also uh, work closely on CMO Moves, another podcast that we do, uh, the Business of Marketing podcast hosted by our Chief Innovation Officer, Toby Daniels, and now the Metaverse Marketing podcast with Kathy Hackle, um, which is basically, you know, exploring the role of marketing in web 3.0. And it's super, super interesting, not just because I'm a producer on it, but I just, I don't know this stuff. This stuff is so new to me and new to a lot of our listeners, I would think. So, uh, you know, over the course of eight episodes um, and the first season of the podcast, we're basically exploring how the metaverse will impact fashion, sports, entertainment, gaming, culture, and even identity. Um, and it's a really cool podcast because it's both, um, it's like documentary style. So you're going to hear from a lot of different voices, uh, a lot of industry leaders, a lot of people who are way smarter than us when it comes to the metaverse and NFTs and things like that. So I'm really excited for, uh, you know, our listeners to get to hear the first episode today. Sorry if I dropped that a little early there, Griner. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. No, we are going to be dedicating, we thought about uh, dedicating a whole episode to discussions of the metaverse, but it kind of makes sense to just share episode one of our metaverse marketing podcast here. It's a uh, you know, it's only about 20 minutes, so it's a quick listen. Uh, and it's just a great overview. What is the metaverse? Why is Facebook so into this? Uh, you know, long before uh, they embraced this name change, uh, Kathy Hackle, our host, who's the CEO of Futures Intelligence Group, you know, saw this coming uh, based on Mark Zuckerberg's comments about his uh, fascination with the metaverse. And so that's really been a driving point behind uh, this podcast. And I think you're going to really love the first episode. It's very well produced. It's uh, it's a really fascinating listen. And it is not jargony. It is not yeah. a big old buffet of uh, tech terms. You will not feel like you've been cornered by some crypto bro at a party. Uh, it is a, it's a good listen. And uh, I so but before we get to that, obviously, we have to pause briefly and talk about our own thoughts about Facebook uh, changing its corporate name to Meta. Uh, I think most folks listening to this understand the difference between a parent company name change like Google's Alphabet uh, and changing the name of Facebook. You know, it's like I had several people who are outside the marketing world be like, so is it going to be called Meta now? And uh, no, uh, just in the way that most normal humans don't really run across Alphabet as a as a name. They just use Google. I think you'll continue to use Facebook. You'll continue to use WhatsApp and uh, Instagram. It's just you'll, you know, when you fire up one of those apps, instead of saying a Facebook company, I'm guessing it'll say a meta company. Uh, so gut check, Shannon, how do you feel about the name meta and Facebook kind of trying to own this space so proactively here? You know, um, typical. This just feels <laughs> like a, a typical turn. <laughs> like, the eye roll that um, that I experienced when I first heard the name was just a new experience for me. I didn't know my eyes could roll that far with the back of my head. But it's it's interesting because I think it is pushing a term that sort of existed for a long, long, long time into the forefront in a way that's sort of forcing people to get a better grasp of what it is. It's kind of like the word synergy, synergy right? Like, it's one of those things that were like maybe a few of us know what it actually means, but we've all heard this word or we've all heard this term. Um, and it, it, it's interesting that Facebook feels confident enough to stake their claim. So like, cause one of the things that I've been sort of obsessing over in the past few weeks, it's, it's weird integration of um, like certain 
tech like creator tools and, and things like that, like reels on Facebook makes so little sense um, as a function because it's just sort of gleaning from other, it, there's no innovation there. It's just sort of gleaning from other apps, but um, it, it makes sense that they are trying to really, really tie its identity with the metaverse between the stuff that's happening with Oculus um, and a lot of the new new things that they're talking about bringing into the future. Um, I, I just, I would think that they would do this when they were in a better position to do that. I think there's still a lot of room to grow in that field, but it, it's an interesting move. It's an interesting typical move. The idea that, you know, the idea of a trying to be the first major player in defining the kind of metaverse we saw in something like Ready Player One, like this idea of a shared digital universe, um, it makes sense, but it's like other than unifying Facebook Messenger, I really can't think of anything they've done to kind of bridge a lot of these worlds. To your point, the the, the interactions between Facebook Instagram content still feels so wonky and just yeah. kind of disconnected. And so, yeah, it's like they're kind of getting pretty uh, ambitious in if like, cause this has not been their strong point. If anything, it's been one of their biggest weak points. Mm -hmm. um, Al, what's your, what's your take on it? Was Meta a smart name? Um, I mean, I think, I think Zuckerberg read ready player one and said, Oh, I want to be James Halliday. <laughs> like I, I like I am like kind of already there. Like like in terms of just my overall persona, but now I'm just gonna go just full on Oasis. Um, I I don't know. I didn't. I thought the name. I guess you know, as Shannon kind of already said, is like very on the nose. Like it might as well just be like. I don't know. I feel like he they they definitely owe money to community and um, Danny Pudi and uh, and Abed. For, for making that for making meta so part of our like lexicon um yeah. but I, I just i just don't know if that's necessarily like the right name for what they're trying to do with all the, the companies that meta owns where they're trying to be both the the one-stop shop for social and then merging of tech with that i don't know if that's necessarily like the case right like them buying oculus a few years back like yeah that totally makes sense but like whatsapp I don't know. Like it just, I don't know if that all is, you know, again, another Shannon synergy. I don't know if it's really, you know, they, they don't really fit together that well uh, in terms of meta. It's just so all encompassing that it, I don't know if it's the yeah. right name for a parent company. You, like if you've, I don't know if either of you have experienced Oculus. Um, yeah. I like, did once. It's awesome. <laughs> and, and the thing is like, it's uh, Oculus is great. Yeah. Um, but when you go into the like Facebook forward function, um, like they have this um, thing where you can, it's essentially supposed to be like this meeting hub uh, where you can enjoy concerts, um, do games, have these like visual experiences. One, it's a terrifying place to be in. I was not ready to be dunked in like the coldest pool. Um, it was because you're, you're very much like in you're very much connected with all of these users immediately, but there is still so much work to do there in terms of making that a seamless experience and making that feel like the virtual concerts that have sort of come out of the pandemic. Um, I tried to go to like a Steve Aoki concert in there and it was just like, I got to get out of here. Like this is just not anything. Um, but there's just a lot of, there's a lot of room for innovation there. So I think of that um, and I'm thinking of that specific product 
And looking at that product and be like, yep, this universe is ours is very weird to me because <laughs> there's just so much ground they have to cover still. Well, one, one metaphor, I guess, metaphor callback I'll make before I don't want to take up any, much more time because I want to leave plenty of time for the episode of our Metaverse Marketing Podcast. But um, I, you know, I've been part of these virtual communities, online communities, going back, honestly, as far as I can remember, and, and I'm not young, but pre-internet, we had these things called BBSs where you would call into a computer in, because you could, there was no internet. So you would call into someone else's computer with your modem and you'd leave messages and you'd have your own login, your own name, your own identity there. And then every single BBS, you had to create your own identity and your own accounts and you had to try to claim your usernames. And I was always thinking like, sure would be nice if there was one shared way to do this, right? If like I was logging in as the same person and this would carry over across the board. We eventually got there with the internet. And part of me wonders, is that where we are now with the metaverse, right? There are a lot of great experiences, but you have them sometimes locally. You have them in these small communities. And part of you thinks, kind of wish this would carry over uh, into different places. But then part of you, much like I did back then when the internet first came along, thinks this is going to be chaos. This is going to yep. be abject, just crowded chaos. Um and I don't know if the interface will really get there. It took the internet a solid 20 years uh, to get there where you could like log in seamlessly. It's still a challenge, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, like bless trying to, you know, stay because, and in the end, like with the internet, you ended up with Google logins, Apple logins, all these different logins to try to maintain some sort of consistency. I don't think Facebook is going to be the ready player one, like the one metaverse to rule them all. I just don't think we live in a technical world where anyone will ever trust one platform that mm. much. Um, but I could see the potential. So with that, um, we'll, we'll hand it off to our host, Kathy Hackle, uh, who hosts uh, Metaverse Marketing Podcast. I hope you will check it out and subscribe to it. We're several episodes in. There's a few more coming for this season, and then I'm sure it will continue because there's a lot more Metaverse to come. Uh, so with that, uh, here is Adweek's new Metaverse Marketing Podcast. This podcast starts with a word, a word that evokes a lot of different ideas, concepts, and yes, opinions. A word that we are all still trying to make sense of. I went to Merriam-Webster's dictionary online and typed that word in and got the following response. The word you've entered isn't in the dictionary. So how do you define a word that isn't even in the dictionary? That word is metaverse. When you think of the metaverse, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Neon. And I don't know why, but I think neon. Revolution. I would use the word magic. Immersive. Nascent, because that's what it is. Collaboration. All of the things we've ever fantasized about. It's time for us to begin this journey. My name is Kathy Hackle and I'll be your host and guide on this adventure into the unknown. This is Adweek's Metaverse Marketing Podcast. This is episode one, defining a new reality. So what exactly is the metaverse? Well, that depends on who you ask. For me, the metaverse is really the converging of the digital and the physical. The metaverse represents this very, very deep desire to go into a new world that's like the real world in every way, but better. 
The metaverse is the grand union of many, many, many different immersive experiences. So it's just like a space where you can be all interconnected and from different origins or wherever in the world you are, you can all meet in this virtual space. According to Google Trends, interest in the term spiked in April of this year, three months before Mark Zuckerberg announced that Facebook will become a metaverse company. So what is the metaverse? It's, um, you know, it's a virtual environment where you can be present with people in, in digital spaces. And you, you can kind of think about this as an embodied internet that you're inside of rather than just looking at. Defining a new term comes with great responsibility. And with great responsibility comes great confusion and some chaos. Uh, you have to go to the Unity conference call uh, the first quarter, which really explains what the metaverse is, which is the idea that you, you're you looking at basically, you can be an Oculus, whatever, and you say, I like the way that person looks in that shirt. I want to order that shirt. In my daily work, I'm tapped by many luxury beauty and fashion brands to help them with virtual worlds, virtual fashion, NFTs, and even their long-term metaverse strategies. While I can't publicly share everyone I've worked with, you have definitely seen my work in some of the biggest digital fashion headlines of the last few months. When I start working with a new client, I always start from zero. And when I outline the metaverse to them, it starts something like this. In Web 1.0, we had the internet, which connected us to information at unprecedented speeds and scale. Web 2.0 connected people through the internet which gave us social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. Web 3.0 is about connecting people, places, and things. Sometimes these people, places, and things can be fully virtual or synthetic, while at other times, they can be in the physical world with a level of augmentation. My fellow metaverse pioneer, Matthew Ball, explains how when Web 1.0 was just emerging, we were all trying to use words to describe things that didn't exist. At that time, the internet was called the information superhighway. Now, when was the last time you logged onto the internet and said, I'm getting on the information superhighway? Probably never. We're currently at the end of Web 2.0 and at the beginning of Web 3.0. And as Lindsay McInerney, Global Head of Technology and Innovation at ABM Bev shares, we've been here before. What's going on right now very much mirrors what we saw in the early days of social media, where, you know, there was that stage of denial. You know, we write press releases. We don't need to we don't need to tweet. We don't need to write Facebook posts. And then, you know, it was OK, like put the intern on the social media stuff. Right. And then became social teams where there was a dedicated group often of young individuals starting to work on the social media things for brands. And now what you see is that it's just embedded into the duty of every marketer, that they understand that social is part of how you market as a brand. And it's very likely that this goes in a, in a really similar way. We're trying to use the language of today to describe the future, which is always a challenge. But as a tech futurist, that's part of my job. So I asked our interviewees to share their thoughts in hopes of finding some common ground. What I found was some agreement, but some areas of difference as well. I, I think of the, the metaverse having kind of three components to it. That's Craig Donato, the chief business officer at Roblox, an experienced company that has been around since 2006, but spiked in popularity during the pandemic. As a side note, the pandemic isn't just the backdrop to the metaverse, it really is a central character. 
COVID-19 and social distancing mandates accelerated the adoption of digital culture in unprecedented ways. If ever there was a collective, agreed-upon virtual world, Roblox would be it. Just ask any parent with a child under the age of 16. The first is the nature of the experiences. And I think of a, a metaverse having experiences that are, number one, immersive, such that your mind's eye is taken into the experience, right? And this is, I think, you know, very common for people playing games, right? You're, you're transported within this digital experience. And the second is that the experiences are fundamentally social. You're doing them with other people. So there's the type of experience, immersive and social. The second is the, all of these experiences exist within this universe that is expansive and always changing, right? So this, there's all these different places that I can go and I can frictionlessly jump from one to the other. And the, the third piece is that amongst all of these experiences in this universe, there's this shared fabric that spans all of these experiences. And that includes a common identity, right? You have a unique identity and, 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 and persona in this, in this metaverse. There's a social graph. So you have friends that you can go from experience to experience with. There's an economy so that you can buy, sell things, even have a career. And there's this, some notion of safety and civility, some sort of infrastructure that makes sure that rules are followed, that, that people act in a, in a productive way. So I think that when I think of the metaverse, I think of those three components, the nature of the experience, the container for all those experiences, the universe with which they exist, and the shared fabric that, that brings them all together. Craig's description of the metaverse as immersive, social, and contained in a universe makes it sound like Fortnite or Upload VR could be the metaverse. But Jamie Burke insists there's one metaverse. He's the CEO and founder of Outlier Ventures, an accelerator that is quickly becoming the Y Combinator for the metaverse. Yeah, so I think for me, there are two important points. And beyond that, I think it's open for interpretation. So the two important points for me are firstly, that it is singular. There is one metaverse. For it to be the metaverse, it needs to be meta to all verses. And so... There may be many verses, instances of the metaverse, but there is one metaverse. The second thing is that for me, you know, you can think of the metaverse as this convergence of hardware and software, innovations and technologies that blur the physical and the virtual or the digital and make them indistinguishable from one another. Actually, I'm not too fussy which technologies, so I don't believe that everything has to be fully immersive VR. I don't believe that we need ubiquitous AR. I, I would argue that the metaverse already exists. It's perhaps just, you might say in 2D or, you know, kind of not, not fully immersive. This is the part where it gets confusing. Are there many metaverses or just one? Does it already exist today or not? For Alice Delahunt, Chief Digital Officer and Chief Content Officer at Ralph Lauren, now is the time to build. We are in the nascent stages of something that will have impact and ramifications far beyond what I truly believe any of us can imagine at the moment. It is an incredible time to witness, an incredible time to build, to create, and to be a part of. But for me, right now, the metaverse is nascent. Certainly, science fiction has groomed us to think about the metaverse. In fact, the term was coined by sci-fi writer Neil Stevenson in his 1992 novel, Snow Crash. 
I was lucky enough to work at Magic Leap, where Neil was our chief futurist. Then there was the oasis in Ernest Cline's 2011 book, Ready Player One, which was later adapted as a movie by Steven Spielberg. I was lucky enough to be at HTC Vive as a VR evangelist during the company's partnership with Spielberg's film. Both Snow Crash and Ready Player One present the idea of the metaverse as an escape from reality. But does it have to be an escape or can it be more than that? I think the metaverse is probably best understood as two different things, which is not a great way to start a definition, but here it goes. On the one hand, the metaverse is a word that we're all using for the very, very long-term human aspiration to be able to enter a, a completely imaginary world. That's Jonathan Glick, former New York Times Senior Vice President of Product and Technology. In addition to being an internet veteran and digital culture expert in his own right, Glick is also working with Matthew Ball. Glick says our desire to escape reality is... Ancient. Probably, you know, pre, pre-historic inclination. Human beings, after all, began imagining themselves in an enchanted world where everything around them was alive and spoke, the rocks, the trees, the sky, and so on. And we lost that enchantment in the modern period. And at that point, divided the world between sort of fact and fiction, between science and imagination or art. In a, in a really very real sense, I consider the metaverse the aspiration to rejoin those two sides, right? To be able to go back into a world where things are alive and anything's possible and stories come to life and essentially uh, regain the enchantment that we lost in, in modern times. So that's that's one half of it. The metaverse represents this very, very deep desire to go into a new world that's like the real world in every way, but better, where we're powerful or free or whatever else. That's one piece. The second piece is with an eye towards that very, very long-term aspiration, the set of technologies that approximate that vision, right? Whether that's the computing that is required to enable it, whether that's the networking that's required to connect it, whether that's the virtual engines and platforms required to render it, provide physics and dynamics that enable it to be real, whether that's the blockchain that provides the economic backbone that gives us the ability to buy and sell and trade, have professions online, all those things, the much more mundane, technical underpinnings that point to that aspirational direction That's also the metaverse. And so to some extent, a lot of the confusion around the definition comes from the fact that when we say metaverse, we're actually talking about both things at the same time, and they're not necessarily the same thing. The metaverse is different from the hardware we use to enter it. Just the same as the internet isn't the same thing as a computer or social media isn't the same thing as a smartphone. But let's talk about the underlying technology for a moment. Because even though it's not the same thing as the metaverse, it's important to understand how we get there. When most people think of the metaverse, they think of virtual reality or VR. Shiny headsets like those produced by Oculus have become less heavy and cheaper over the years. The graphics have improved and so has the latency. But is strapping on a headset and entering an oasis the only way to enter the metaverse? VR is an entry point and one of the enabling technologies, but it's not the only one. Things like VR, AR, 
you've got 5G where the internet and everything's just getting faster. Computing power is getting faster. No surprise to anybody who's done anything digital in the past 18 months, but the pandemic has poured gasoline on anything and everything digital. And what we saw through this is that people were not only just spending more time online, but spending time in these new worlds that were also emerging, you know, at this at this point in time. That was Lindsay McInerney once again. What about augmented reality? For Delahunt, it plays an important role in the convergence of our physical and digital lives. I believe that augmented reality will have a major impact on the space and will be the catalyst for that relationship to grow. So augmented reality is very interesting because it's like the extra augmented layer you can have on the real world. That's Benoit Pagodo, co-founder of Artifact Studios. They're a metaverse-born brand and studio that designs virtual sneakers and collectibles. Artifact has crushed records with the fashion world taking notice, especially after their ferocious sneaker NFT collaboration drop that generated $3 million. Artifact already counts celebrities like Paris Hilton among its fans and have recently secured $8 million in funding led by Andreessen Horowitz. We think it's a very, very interesting medium because if you look at First, the tech is very, very satisfying. You know, you see a lot of people using it on Snapchat every day since years. Uh, Snapchat basically transitioned to be almost fully a uh, augmented reality company. And if you look at what, you know, Apple, even Facebook uh, have been doing, the acquisition they've done in the past five years, like they are all betting on potentially doing a device that is allowing you to truly see augmented reality in a meaningful way, like with AR glasses. So we truly think that it's a way to really experience NFTs and really bring these, these stuff you can normally do only in games and bring them in the real world. Jonathan Glick agrees that augmented reality is going to play an enormous role in the metaverse, mainly because... Augmented reality is essentially the mobile version of the metaverse, right? And, you know, how much time do you use your phone versus your laptop computer today? For me, my phone is like 90% of my my connection to the internet. And so based on that, based on the, I, you know, I, I use the mobile version more often than the seated version, I think that AR will be extremely important. While it's important to understand the hardware, as I mentioned before, the hardware isn't the whole story. It's the vehicle that gets us there. But where exactly is there? So for me, I think by definition, of what we've come to understand, at least I've come to understand the metaverse to be. For it to be unifying, that's most likely to happen through it being an open system rather than a singular platform achieving this kind of total supremacy and a monopoly. And I think what's indicative to that direction of travel is the success of Bitcoin or Ethereum, which effectively is an economic system mobilized or catalyzed by some elegant but simple game theory, whereby we've mobilized billions of dollars of capital, hardware infrastructure in a permissionless sense around the world to secure this network. And I imagine, and of course Ethereum is is a, a continuum of that, and so I would argue, if you look at the beginnings of that success and its unstoppable nature, that the, the, the metaverse, to achieve you know, the metaverse in full, 
would require that kind of distributed decentralized system. But from a principles perspective, the reason why I think it's important is because the alternative is, is both how the web currently looks, you know, monopolies, pretty antisocial monopolies, whether it's a single search engine, whether it's a single e-commerce site, whether it's a single social network. Really what, you're, what you witness with a closed system is this process of capture and control. Jamie mentions two themes that come up in many conversations about the metaverse. The first theme is decentralized, and the second is interoperability. Decentralized is a term we normally hear about when we're talking about cryptocurrency. In blockchain, being decentralized refers to the idea that there's no central bank responsible for all the money and transactions. Instead, the ledger belongs to the people. In the metaverse, being decentralized refers to community ownership. This is something I could tell Lindsay McInerney from AVMVEV feel strongly about. Because Web3 is, you know, some of the core concept are is, concepts are decentralization and community ownership. And, you know, something, I believe that the big brands of this this era will be community owned, will be co-owned with the community, where the community who own those assets not only own and enjoy them, but actually benefit from owning them. And therefore, they're incented and inspired to share and make something of the brand in a way that they can't be by being chased down and given $200 to be a traditional influencer in the web, you know, the web two space or the web two era. We're going to touch on the metaverse and what it means for brands in future episodes. But for now, the core concept of community is important to highlight. Another theme was that of interoperability. While some may say that current games are metaverses, it's not like you can take your character outside of a closed ecosystem. Here's Jonathan Glick on interoperability. So my sense is that there will be these sort of standalone universes, much like there are these huge video game universes today that don't interoperate for the most part and are super successful anyway. But out on the edges, there's going to be this this open and interoperable space where new startups that are trying to do immersive and virtual things agree to share certain assets, certain economic attributes, certain identity systems. And out there on the edge, eventually, will become a critical mass. That interoperable space is where that future open system will be born. If you're more confused about the metaverse now than when we started, you're not alone. Our goal is to expand your mind and invite you to imagine not just everything the metaverse is, but all it could be. And perhaps the most important thing is to let you know that it's being created right now, before our very eyes and you too can be a part of the future of Web 3.0 and beyond. I tend to have a positive outlook about where this is all heading, and I'm not alone. We're pioneers. Yeah, it's it's a great time. It's an amazing time. I've, I think I've said this before to you, but I've never been so excited about the future of the internet. The Metaverse Marketing Podcast was brought to you by Adweek. It's hosted by me, Kathy Hackle and edited by Divergent Productions. Amanda Costco is our executive producer, and Nick Gardner is Adweek's production director. If you're listening to us on a podcasting app, you already know how to get your podcast, so please subscribe to this one. If you're on Adweek's website, consider subscribing to the podcast by searching Metaverse Marketing in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever the best audio is found. If you have any questions or feedback, you can send an email to podcast at adweek.com. Tune in next week for episode two of eight as we continue to go down the metaverse rabbit hole and explore the future. You're listening to Adweek's Metaverse Marketing Podcast, hosted by Kathy Hackle. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the metaverse. Hey, this is David Greiner back uh, just to thank you for uh, listening in for this episode and uh, checking out uh, the Metaverse Marketing Podcast, uh, new from Adweek. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to Metaverse Marketing Podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. And uh, I hope you leave a review of what you think of the new show. That really helps new shows get off the ground. We'll also leave something in our show notes about how to find and subscribe to the podcast. So thanks for checking it out. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, don't forget, you can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com, podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.